It is Locked on Jazz for the 25th of April from Dallas, Texas. We're getting ready for Game 5. But did something change in Game 4 that gives the Jazz an edge in the series? A few things did. Luka Doncic is back. What's his impact and what inspired the Jazz to their Game 4 win? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms, including YouTube. Please comment, talk to each other, have a nice little discussion. Tell me in the comments section what you think the game fives are. Comments are helpful to us. We can get a lot of comments. We get a lot more interaction. We get better algorithm, all that kind of stuff on the YouTube. And if you're on the podcast, please, any five-star review is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Subscribe, follow, all for free here. And thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. To our live audience, good morning to Ray and Ben and Matthew and Ryan and Jay, along with Christopher and Tyler and the crew. Glad to have you with us. So the Jazz have tied the series. We're renewed faith tied at 2-2. And, you know, really, Boyan Bogdanovich is the hero of the night. Uh, The Rudy Gobert postgame quote is the greatest quote ever in the history of mankind. Yes. Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, James Madison, other brilliant orators, Winston Churchill. No, no. Beep the talk is the greatest quote of all time. Okay, maybe a slight overstatement, but certainly what I think all of us have thought. Uh, Frankly, why I have found myself so desperately wanting the Jazz to win this series is so we can just tell people to shut up. Uh, And that's really what Rudy did. But the Jazz have to back it up by somehow winning two of the next three uh, with Luka back for the Mavericks, a team that was 18 and five when healthy uh, after the trade deadline. So not an easy task at hand. But um, Boyan Bogdanovich was the hero. Uh, The Jazz decided, rightfully so, to make some swaps and to try to change the defensive matchups. And the key to that was to have Boyan Bogdanovich guarding guys that you wouldn't regularly think he would guard. Jalen Brunson, obviously Doncic, he's got some size on it. But there was some real logic to this. Um, when you look at what the matchup numbers were for the Jazz, Mike Conley is having a miserable time trying to guard Jalen Brunson. And when you and and frankly, Donovan Mitchell is having a tough time with Spencer Dinwiddie. And so what the Jazz did is moved Boyan Bogdanovich around. Guarding Dinwiddie so far in the series coming into that game. Um Conley was 6 of 10. Clarkson, or coming into the playoff game, Donovan was 5 of 10, 3 of 5 the last game Dinwiddie was on him. Uh, Dinwiddie was 5 of 8 versus O'Neal. He obviously didn't, Dinwiddie didn't start. Brunson was 8 of 13 when guarded by Conley, 8 of 18 when guarded by O'Neal, so not as good. 8 of 16 when guarded by Donovan and 4 of 7 in game 5. And so moving Bogey into the equation changed it. But more than, so that was the logic of the coaching staff. Bogey took it to a completely different level. 
What Bogey took it to was, I'm going to pick up at 94 feet, and I am going to set a tone for the team that this is how we're playing, and they all got inspired by it. So the coaching staff did their job, which was set up, but Bogey then took it the next step. Quinn Snyder, in our in our pregame press conference, either played rope-a-dope with the Mavericks in a whole discussion of dropped pickup points and this and that and trying to create some different things. And it was almost as though Quinn was like, I'm going to tell everyone our game plan so the players have to execute it. Or he was playing rope-a-dope, which was he dropped pickup points and then Bogey went and picked up at 94 feet. I think Bogey picked up at 94 feet as a message to his teammates. The stealth black-clad Boyan Bogdanovich leading the way for the Utah Jazz with leadership and defense in a really, really impressive uh, manner uh, in that one. Uh, The Jazz just played better also. Better defensive rotations. Kind of went back to like old school shell defensive rotations. Ball movement numbers were not better, but the ball movement felt a bunch better in that game. Here's where the quantum change is in in the game. And that is quantified shot quality, which is always a pretty good indicator of what's going on. In the early games in this series, game one, Dallas's quantified shot quality was 50, and the Jazz's was just 47. And that's where I came out after game one and said, the way the Jazz won game one was not a sustainable model for them to win another three games in the series. In game two, the Dallas Mavericks shot quality was 49, and the Jazz was 47% again. I think these probably even effective field goal percentage. 47's crazy low in both those two games by the Jazz. Like, really, really low. Uh, League average effective is like 53. I probably should have for you, and I don't, um, what the Jazz uh, quantified shot quality is for the season. But this, the the con, and and I'm going to try to find it because I just realized how it's valuable to the concept. When you're starting to talk about new concepts that don't make, that aren't um, common, you have to have a reference point by which what I'm talking about makes sense to you. Um, we're going to, I was listening to a podcast the other day. We're going to start next year using true shooting percentage plus as the number, in which we qualify players with. We'll all, all introduce it. So the jazz of the second, be, uh, the 10th best shot quantified shot quality of the season at 52.5. The league average is 51.7. The worst quantified shot quality in the league this year was 50.3. Okay. So, again, the league average is 51.7, and the Jazz quantified shot quality this year was 52.5, which was actually pretty low for the Jazz. Here's what the Jazz quantified shot quality was in the first games. 47, 47, and then in game three, it jumped to 53, and it stayed there for game four. So there's been a, 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 a massive change in the quality of shots the Jazz have gotten in games three and four of the series from what they got in games one and two. On the flip side, for Dallas, they were 50% in game one, which is not great, 49% in game two, which is not great, 52% in game three, and they slipped to 47% in game four. So Dallas, who was an average quantified shot quality team, about 51.8, is way below their regular shot quality in the regular season. They only took six shots at the rim in the entire five or six shots through, depending which metric you look at, in game number four. So defensively, the Jazz shell was much better. Their their rotations were much better. They kept them out of the paint. And those are and Dallas is not getting good looks. And Dallas is shooting the crap out of the ball. 
Dallas is absolutely shooting it at a level that shouldn't entirely be sustainable. And so when I, now the question is whether or not the Jazz, who are not shooting it well, have a good shooting game, and whether the Mavericks, who have been shooting it ungodly, come back to life. In the series, there's a number called QSI, which is the value you've shot better than your shot quality um, in this year, in this playoffs so far. Dallas is a plus five. Utah is a plus two. Utah's shot quality for the series is a 49.9. Dallas is now a 49.9. The series in regards to shot quality is dead even. And the question now is whether any team starts to get hot. Now, Maxi Kleba, Josh Green had their incredible game. Maxi Kleba has an incredible game. Jordan Clarkson was pretty hot yesterday uh, for the Jazz. That's going to be a very, very interesting aspect of how this happens here. The other thing the Jazz needed to win game number four was a hell of a lot of luck. Right? Luka hits that three, and this series is over. And it takes Donovan slashing instead of shooting a three, which he probably should have, but fine. He gets his own rebound. He evidently commits a foul that nobody calls. He gets fouled, which is a ridiculously bad play by Luka. Dwight Powell misses both three throws, which is a bad play. And then the Jazz execute perfectly on the Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert lob for a slam dunk and then uh, execute perfectly on the backside. So the Jazz suddenly win a close game, which is just an awesome, remarkable second time of the series. The Jazz have now kind of weathered it off, won a close game, made the big plays late. You wonder whether or not that eliminates the whole storyline of their inability to make plays late. It also mutes the story of Rudy going three of eight from the free throw line of the clutch, which he has not usually done in his career. So the big, to me, hell of a lot of luck. Much better defensive play, completely bent their shot quality. Defensive intensity from Bogey. And the offensive ball movement felt better. It statistically was not better. 224 passes again. Crazy low number. But it felt better. The other massive thing that happened in game four is that Luka came back. And boy, is he awesome. But boy, does he also change the series. And we'll talk about what that impact is as we continue here on Locked on Jazz today. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy with the incredible Silverado and Colorado trucks. With the SUV, the SUVs that, you know, basically are the Utah County assault vehicles, just staples, Chevy, Americana, the Suburban, the Tahoe, everything you need to know there. And the Murdoch family, over 80-plus years in Utah, uh, giving you everything they have and now committing to not charge you more than MSRP. So if you're looking for a Chevy, head up to Logan or head over to Woods Cross. It's Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross as well as in Logan with the amazing lineup of SUVs led off by the Suburban and the Tahoe. Of course, there's the Equinox and the Traverse and the uh, tracks all going on there. The Volt is getting a lot of uh, the electric Volt is getting a lot of rave reviews as well today's show is also brought to you by ag1 that's athletic greens 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics 
to help you get your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all those things. I've been drinking my AG1 each morning at home. I didn't bring it today. I have the cool case, but we did all of us, but Thurl um, did um, did uh, <clears throat> carry on. Um, and so I didn't have, I didn't bring my um, AG1 on this one. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Whatever lifestyle friendly, uh, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, uh, GMOs, uh, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, uh, while tasting good and supports uh, better uh, sleep quality and immune system for you. It take it, uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free. Uh, One-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs on your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked on Mavericks is obviously a fabulous choice as your second listen to hear what Nick and Isaac are saying. Also, by the way, live NFL draft show this weekend. We'll be going live on NFL draft on Locked on NFL YouTube station uh, Thursday with all of our local experts. And the ultimate mock draft podcast is still up and out there uh, for you. So Luca comes back. What's the impact of Luca coming back? The first thing is he's unguardable. He really, truly is the probably number one or number two greatest offensive player in the world. He's he's just can get anywhere he wants. He can just, he's so big. He's so big. Like if you're walking around the court and you're around him, his trunk and his size is just, enor- he's just enormous. He can get anywhere he wants on the court. He can hold you off at any spot he wants. He can hit any shot. He gets that step back to his left hand, and it's he doesn't miss it, seemingly never. The dagger shot was like I said on the broadcast. It would have gone into a golf hole. It was so incredible. He dishes. He gets in the paint. He controls everything. Now, what's super interesting about this is that they cannot have been much better than they were offensively. In game number two, their offensive rating was a 124. In game number three, their offensive rating was a 135. Like, Luka's amazing. But Luka, as great as Luka is, cannot... Luka cannot get them better than a 135 offensive rating. Like, he can get them maybe a 135. I don't know. It's pretty incredible. Offensive ratings are usually like 111, 112. 118 is a good day. Anything over 120 is amazing. Anything over 125 is unstoppable. Um, kind of my the number that I always think about is anything under 100 or over like 120, 125. You you're like you're you're golden either way. League average is like a 111. So if you're 10 points above league average or 10 points below league average, you, you're you win, not 20. And so as great as Luke is offensively, and he's great. You don't actually just get to add it on top. You, you're doing something differently on and scoring in a new way in which possessions you've already scored. Now, in that game the other night, their offensive rating was a 110, which I don't blame on Luka, but it was different. The other thing that's different about Luka is it just changes the matchups. So Mike Conley guarded 
when he was on the floor, Spencer Dinwiddie, partially because the Jazz made a change, and Mike Conley, who is having a very, very tough time guarding Jalen Brunson, as we just talked about, 8 of 13 in the playoffs when when guarding Brunson. Uh, Brunson's 8 of 13 shooting when guarded by Mike. Brunson only had one shot against Mike Conley in the entire game. Donovan Mitchell is having a tough time with Spencer Dinwiddie in the series. Don, Dinwiddie was 5 of 10 against Donovan, 3 of 5 in his last two games. Spencer Dinwiddie did not take a shot in the entire game when guarded by Donovan Mitchell. Some of this is jazz changes. Some of this is just now Luca's on the floor and it changes the way the game is played. Pace of play. Dallas, who was in transition a ton on the Jazz in this series. In fact, where's my transition? Sorry, I have so many notes at this point of the series. It's hard to find them all. Uh, Dallas, through three games, had 28 transition uh, opportunities, and the Jazz had 11. In the game the other night, the Jazz ended up with, and the Mavericks, the Mavericks had five transition opportunities in the entire game, and the Jazz had seven. So if you look at the series as a whole, Dallas was having three to one transition opportunities to the Jazz and the game Luka comes back. Suddenly the Jazz have more transition. One, because Luka actually turns it over, which nobody else on that team does, and gets you some opportunities. And two, because Luka plays slower, more deliberate, and he's brilliant at it. What is also interesting, though, on this is the whole idea that Luka's defense is bad, which I have presented multiple times. It was going to be an impact on this, and the Jazz would take advantage of it. The opposite was true. The defensive rating when Luka was on the floor was a 98.4. So Dallas, the Jazz were not able to impact the game and take advantage of Luka. Luka did a pretty darn good job defensively, and the Mavericks did a pretty good job defensively in all of the matchups. In fact, when Luka was the defensive player in the ballgame, Boyan was 0 for 3. Donovan was 2 for 7. Jordan Clarkson had his way, but that's it. So the Jazz did not exploit Luka's defense, though the game, the one thing that does happen is that the Mavericks try to protect Luka. And when the Mavericks try to protect Luka, the Jazz run a play, they do a soft little double, and then it pushes the Jazz to move the basketball all the way around. And... That got, at least in my opinion, got the Jazz to play with a little bit more ball movement. The Mavericks' offense, which they have completely pivoted off what they do in the regular season. During the regular season, they run 83 picks a game. During the playoffs, they've run 74. In the games without Luka, they went right back to running 85 with Luka. During the regular season, they drive it 48 times a game. They're really good at it. They're the best drive team in the game. Instead, in the series, they've been driving it 64 times. That's a crazy increase. 25% increase from 48 to 64. And that's what they did the other night. They, during the season, they run 20 isolation plays a game. They ran 34 in the first four games. The three games of the series, they ran 36 in the game they're back in. So they still kept driving and they kept having isolation and they kept having great success with isolation, by the way, too. Like as much as we can talk about our improved defense and all this other things, a few balls bounce the other way. We're talking about how they averaged 1.3 points on isolation and killed us in isolation again. Their transitions were just way down and their picks went way back up 
and their possessions just took longer. They were just much more deliberate in how they played offensively. But the dude's incredible, and they can get whatever they want on any possession when he's on the floor, anything they want. He's unguardable. So, you know, long-term in the series, trying to beat them two out of the next three with Luka is not. It does change the series. It does go back to the series we talked about from the beginning. And I think the important point here is not that they get not that they get worse with Luke in any way, shape, or form. They just can't get better. They can't get better than an offensive rating of 130. They can go to they have a different route to get to that now. And a different system to which to get to that. And a different they now have multiple mechanisms to get to that. But they can't be better than that. Like you don't take the 130, get Luke and go to 150. It just doesn't work that way. You're taking away possessions that already worked and giving it to somebody else. And so it just changes the series. It doesn't make it, <clears throat> doesn't make it, it, it just alters. And there are some arguments that, that changes in a manner that's semi-okay for the Jazz. All right, game five. Let's do some breakdown on that. What do we do about Mike Conley? What are the, adjustments that each side makes here from this point on. And let me see if I can get some of your questions in as well today. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Good friends over at Built doing amazing thing. The 17 gram protein, only 130 calorie mint puffs are back. I got to eat these as dessert. The chocolate cake I had last night, I just can't do that anymore. I got to stop. I don't know like why at 51 I want to like somehow try to like turn my body into something that but I just want to be able to bike ride and not be fat and Bilt Bar is going to be my answer because you know why go bury the milk mint marshmallow puff or the coconut marshmallow puff and it frankly tastes like dessert in the churro puff tastes like dessert rather than having that massive chocolate cake I had last night it was massive it was so big it was like three people's piece and you say you're not going to eat it and then you do well, not all of it because I would have like been in a coma, but you still do. So sad. This is what Bill Barkin do for me. It might not be what Bill Barkin do for you. For otherwise, Bill Barkin just be a great little bite during the middle of the day. That's how I'll use it today. It's a candy bar that tastes like a protein bar. No, wait, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's a, I don't know whether it's a protein bar or a candy bar, but what I will tell you is it's outstanding. It's only 130 calories. It's only 2.5 fat grams. It's only four grams of sugar, and it gives you 17 grams of protein, and it tastes. Right. The puffs are amazing. Mint marshmallow, coconut marshmallow, churro, and then the regular flavors, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry I have with me on the trip, salted caramel, cookies and cream. All available for you. Those are all the nut-free flavors because I have a nut allergy. So that's why I mentioned Built Bar. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Promo code LOCKED15 to get your discount at Built.com. Jazz and the Mavericks game five. I think fatigue is going to be a major issue in this game. So we're deep into the playoffs. We're playing our third game in three non-consecutive cities, right? Dallas, Utah, Dallas. A uh, little bit more gap because it was an early game the other day and everybody, and they got to fly back and get home at a decent hour. But Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith have played massive minutes. Luke is playing on his second game back. Donovan and Mike have never played well, particularly without rest. Uh, Mike looked like the non-full two days rest really bothered him the other day as he just looked way off his game. And the Jazz have to get Mike Conley, have to get something from Mike Conley. Donovan has been better with rest throughout the season um, by a pretty dramatic amount If he, the more rest he has. Um, so I think rest is, you know, 
Gobert battled incredibly and got whacked and hacked and macked and racked and fined. Um, and so I think that's going to be a really interesting aspect um, of this series, of this game, is Boyan Bogdanovich gave every ounce of everything he had is the fatigue factor early um, in this one jumps out to me. Um, Mike Conley, number one off-the-bounce shooter in the NBA, if I remember correctly, during the season. I think he held that title. Um, and he has not been – he's been almost reluctant to shoot it. Um, he's had a scoreless game in the series. The the Jazz need Mike Conley. And Mike Conley's been off. Um, to me, Mike Conley goes scoreless in game two. In game three, I actually thought he did something I've almost never seen him do, which I thought he was so – obsessed with trying to um, make sure that he got his got some points on the board that we didn't move the ball early. I, I thought the opening game part of game three was Donovan two my turn possessions, Mike two or three my turn possessions. And then um, Boyan Bogdanovich was like, well, that sucks. I've played five minutes and haven't touched the ball. So then it was his turn possessions. And I really thought um, it was some of the worst basketball I'd seen from a team standpoint by the Jazz uh, all season in game three. It, it did not seem that way uh, in game four. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if the Jazz can can keep this up. Of guys that took, there were 69 players this year that took two off-the-bounce threes a game. Desmond Bain passed Mike Conley for number one in the NBA. Um by he was taking three game. Mike taking three point nine, shot forty one percent. Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson, while not playing enough games, both shot better. But Desmond Bain was the number one off the bounce three point shooter in the NBA by a large margin. And then Mike Conley at forty point nine. Luca took the most of anyone. By the way, can the Jazz get Mike Conley back? That that's that's what the Jazz need, and that's where some of the shooting that we're not seeing out of the jazz right now is so important. Um, the jazz have not had the blistering hot shooting game. And if there's a game, if there's a day in which they could do it right now would be the time Mike's getting 2.3 off the bounce threes. He's making 44%, but we've got to see if we can get more. Donovan is taking 5.8 off the bounce threes in the playoffs and making 22%. So can Mike, can we get Mike to pull that trigger a little bit more? Um, Jordan Clarkson off the bounce threes, which are vital to the Jazz. Though that I will say, give the Mavericks a lot of credit. They've taken away that off the bounce three in because of their switching defenses, which they'll do a little less with Luca. Donovan's five of twenty three for twenty two percent. Clarkson's one of seven. Jordan's not a great off the bounce three point shooter. Mike's four of nine. Boyan's two of seven. They, they've Jazz have got to make those. Frankly, the off the bounce three from Donovan is the shot. You know, I'm not going to rely on Jordan making that when he gets hot. It's great, but it's not. Jordan's not a great shooter. Donovan is a 36% off the bounce three point shooter. If that's just a small sample size regression, be pretty great if that suddenly came back around. The catch and shoot game, which has been hard for the Jazz, and Dallas is the third best team in the league um, during the season at not allow of covering the above the break three, and the seventh best at denying it or the fifth best at denying it. So, you know, they do certainly do something here. The Jazz have got to find a way to get that going. Royce, 5 of 14. Donovan, again, 3 of 11 
on uh, catch and shoot threes. Jordan Clarkson's been amazing. Mike Conley, 0 for 7 on catch and shoot threes in this series. House, 1 for 4. Hernan Gomez, 1 for 4. So, Mike, really, we've got to find a way to get Mike going and confident and feeling good about himself um, in game number five. Who can the Jazz, the offensive rating with Mike on the floor the other night was a 92. Um, You know, let's watch early on Brunson and Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's been wildly inefficient in this series. On Brunson, what do the Mavericks do? Who's guarding him? Who are the shots against? That'll be an early game five indicator. The Jazz were able to switch that up a little bit in game number four, and that had a massive impact on the series. Uh, Rudy, 10 offensive rebounds. (coughs) Obviously, the Mavericks will do everything they can to stop the 10 offensive rebounds. Maxi Kleba's foul trouble was a large part of that. Um, and then what do the, you know, how does that impact things do, does that slow them down even more? And they play in the half court even more because of the fact that they're trying to take away the 10 offensive rebounds. Um, can the jazz somehow take advantage of that with, in some capacity? Um, but Rudy's 10 offensive rebounds were mammoth and obviously they've decided to hack Rudy rightfully. So every single time until he makes it all right, there are a ton of questions. Um, Uh, this one's all over the place. Uh, Bogey is one of the only one that seems all right right now. Uh, do you feel that? Bogey's just unflappable. Uh, Whiteside's minutes were big the other night. I agree. Why doesn't Rudy try to block Brunson when he gets that close? Because Brunson has the best footwork of any player I may have seen in the league. He gets in the lane. He steps back. He jolt, he's fly, He doesn't bring it to the rim. They, you know, Rudy, they took five shots. This is like a great example of where you just never quite understand the value of Rudy. Is they took five shots at the rim the entire game the other night with Ru- with Rudy on the floor. Or, excuse me, with the Jazz on the floor. They took five shots at the rim in that game. And so, you know, that's where, well, what did Ru- Rudy didn't block the shots? Rudy, Ru- Rudy had the impact because they didn't shoot at the rim. In fact, Luca's shot to the left side of the basket. It says they had six, according to NBA.com, five of six. Luca's basket, like to the left side of the basket, within about five or six feet, was the only shot that Luka Doncic has made all season long inside six feet with Rudy Gobert on the floor. He's yet to take a shot at the rim, yet to take a shot at the rim with Rudy Gobert on the floor. That's the impact of Rudy Gobert. Um, someone saying Mavs are. 30th in rim rate, not a Rudy thing. No, no. Mavs are 30th in rim rate, but they don't take six a game. You're absolutely right. Mavs are, I don't know if Mavs are actually 30th in rim rate, but Mavs percentage of shots at the rim by the Mavs this year um, was 29th. They only take 27% of their shots at the rim during the season. 100%. They didn't take 27%. They took six of their shots at the rim. The entire game. So, you know, league, they they made five or six, but they took 8% of their shots at the rim. The Mavericks, on average, on a given game, take 27% of their shots at the rim. They took eight. Um, so, yeah, you can say um, that. Dallas complained about how many free throws they got. But intentionally fouling. I, I, that was the richest crap I've seen in a long time. 
Luca mumbling about the free throws when he goes up to the podium when they just played hack Rudy and benefited from it was absolutely ludicrous. It's almost as good as Monty Williams complaining about free throws when the Suns have the lowest free throw rate in the entire league. Right? Um, who knows? Uh, will Quinn use Rudy Gay? I don't think so. Eric Pascal is pretty good. Wancho's been pretty good. Um, I don't... Um, I don't know that we see Rudy Gay uh, in this series. Sorry, scanning some more questions. Um, this is such a stupid question. Keith, I probably think you're great. Big game today. Well, Quinn, no, Quinn's actually not going to adjust. Quinn, if it's not going well, Quinn's just... Here's the question. Obviously, a big game today. Will Quinn adjust quickly if things aren't working out? No. No, if things aren't working out, he'll just stay exactly as he is. The idea that he doesn't adjust is really one of the most stupidest storylines that's out there by a bunch of people who know nothing about the game. Honestly. Anyone who knows the games, watching the game, seeing what we do, and claims that Quinn Snyder's not adjusting is just not paying attention or doesn't understand what adjustments are. Or doesn't know the game well enough to make that acquisition, accusation, excuse me. I mean, truly. And then the other part of things is you can adjust, but you have to have the personnel to be able to adjust. So there's only a realm, there's a realm inside of which you can adjust. And then there's actually like what you actually have, you know, you can't make chocolate chip cookies if you don't have chocolate chips. Right, so if you forget the eggs, you can adjust and somehow try to make some other something else. But or if the eggs are rotten, let's go with that. Like your eggs are rotten, you got to go make something else. You can't make chocolate chip cookies though, if you don't have chocolate chips. I mean, even this talking point is not great. I think the key is to not play Royce much in the fourth quarter, except to spell House a couple minutes. Boy, our love affair with Daniel House is. And our, 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 the feeling of everyone just pick on Royce O'Neal and just give Daniel House a pass is not very close watching either, I would say. Royce has not been great. He's not been very good defensively for a long time. As, as, as I've said, a guy doesn't go from fifth in the league in pick-and-roll defense to 85th out of 100 in pick-and-roll defense while being healthy. There's no chance that Royce O'Neal is not battling something. There's just no chance. I can look at it statistically and see it. He was like the fifth best pick and roll defender in the league last year. He's 85th this year. But also, like, Daniel's been a little, like, big, big play. Like, we're just giving him a pass. Like, if Daniel getting picked off in the backcourt, picking up at 94 feet for no particular reason, getting picked off, giving the Mavericks a four for four late in the game that leads to a wide open Dorian Finney-Smith, if Royce had done that, people would have annihilated him. That was not a good play. Like, I get it. You're trying to be aggressive, but you got to be smart. You can't get picked off at 75 feet away from the basket on a key defensive possession of the game, allowing the Mavericks to come up for a four on four so that when your rotation is supposed to be the Finney Smith, you're actually still in the backcourt playing Twister with Reggie Bullock. You can't do those things. 
I mean, I get it. Like, you're not supposed to be an expert, and you're passionate, and you love it, and you're fired up, and you want to be a fan. But, like, just make sure that we're, like, I, I just, you know, I guess you don't have to make sure you're accurate. It's my job to jump in there. Um, we'll see. All right. Um, answering more. Start JC for Mike. Match Mike with Dinwiddie. No, I mean, Mike's one of our four best players. And you start Mike. Like, Mike's a, Mike was our major acquisition three years ago. Turn out, you know, that was our move. Like, that was our move to push us. We got Boyan and we got Mike to push us from good to great. That was our move. That's our guy. We're not going to, like, not start Mike Conley. Mike Conley started every game for, like, 15 years. You do that to Mike Conley today, he doesn't get on the plane back to Salt Lake City. He calls Mary and the kids, and they meet you in Columbus. It's probably an overstatement, but it's not that far. Um, This might be the best statement of all. I agree that a lot of luck to win that game. I also think there's something to be said for playing hard the entire game, putting yourself in a position to capitalize on other mistakes. 100%. That's what people have been doing to us. 100%. We were making mistakes down the stretch, and every time we made mistakes, it seemed like teams made the right play. We were the team that actually made the right play after they made the mistakes. Donovan doesn't go get that rebound. If Donovan doesn't throw that pass, if Rudy doesn't make a good catch and dunk, if we don't double the ball correctly on that final play, forcing the ball out of Boyens into Brunson's hands and then back out of Donchers, if we don't do all those right things, then their mistakes are never talked about. The way we're not talking about missing free throws late because we made plays on the other side. So, and... You know what? We're in a series, and at this point, like, I looked at the Q, just we did the QSQs earlier, like, shot quality. They're dead even. Like, this series is dead even at this point. We've had a foul trouble game that cost us when Mike and Jordan got foul trouble. They got a foul trouble game when Maxi Kleba. We had an unusual um, offensive rebounding game. They had two bizarre shooting games. Like, what's it going to be now? Which of these teams, can the Jazz have an out-of-body experience shooting game and win one right now? Is Donovan going to have a game? Is Luca going for 45? Is there a superstar game? We haven't had a superstar game yet. Right? I would say the Jazz win game one on offensive rebounding and kind of that's it. Really on offensive rebounding. It's kind of a grind it. Nobody was really not a particularly good offensive game. Jazz had a hard time scoring. The game two, Dallas wins it. With transition and un- Maxi Kleba crazy shooting. Game three, Josh Green, Maxi Green, Maxi Kleba have very good shooting. Game's pretty even. Dallas gets some transition. Game four, I think we get it a little bit because of 10 offensive rebounds, a little bit because of Jordan Clarkson gets hot. So is there a superstar game? Is there a jazz shooting game? What happens here? But game fives are big. It's going to be fun. It's coming up. Thanks for tuning in to Lockdown Jazz. Ron and I will be with you after the game.